You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com. Good morning, church. Good morning. Uh, We've been following, I know you have, all of the news lately, everything that's kind of unraveling in our world lately. Um, Let's just get get straight to the point. There's so much happening. So much turmoil, and I, I've talked to many of you, and there's just, there's just a lot of burden, a lot going on in our hearts and in our minds with racism, with violence, with hatred, with tons of confusion. Um, there has been so much stirred up in our world, in our neighborhood, sometimes even in our own families. Um, and though these headlines are new, maybe this month, this week, even a few days ago, these very dark patterns are just age-old stories of sin in the lives of human people, Right? This is a very old story in a certain way. And in this haze of violence and confusion and hatred and death and mourning, today we gather as God's people because we have hope. Because there is actually real hope. There is good news because of our Lord Jesus Christ. Not in our own efforts to somehow like become better people or to progress as a culture, to come around the corner of these things on our own. But here's why we gather. Because in Christ... The risen Christ, we have hope. Don't we? That's why we gather. Even better, his kingdom, this risen Jesus that we come to celebrate and worship this morning, his kingdom is being established here in Austin, here in Texas, here in our country. That's why we gather with hope this morning. With this, there couldn't be a better time, I think, in light of all this, to be kicking off a brand new series through the Gospel of Luke. We're going to be journeying through the Gospel of Luke together, and we're going to be looking at this um, really basic principle, to be a disciple. That's what it's called. And there couldn't be a better time to do this, as in the middle of this, this haze of violence and confusion, we reflect and, and work on and wrestle with, what does it mean to follow Jesus? To see what the Lord is doing, and then to follow after him and mimic him and do those things in the world that he is already doing. That's what we're going to be looking at. This morning we're in Luke 10, where we begin what the gospel reading we just heard. And Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He's on the road to Jerusalem. And he's confronted by a lawyer. And he has um, the question that the lawyer, lawyer bears to Jesus is just that old question. And it's the actual question that you and I come this morning, whether you knew it or not. This is the question that our world is dying to have answered. This is the question that you and I come today, this morning, having heard about the risen Jesus, having hope, having been answered. And the question um, is this. What what must we do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus' response has been repeated over and over and over again in this story called the Good Samaritan. So much so that the Good Samaritan has become a phrase that's synonymous with a certain moral, a certain ethic, a certain way of being in the world. This is a, I know you all have heard this before. This is famous. But can I tell you this? If you've ever heard the Good Samaritan story and you've walked away thinking, now that is some really juicy moral uh, learning, some teaching there. Man, that's a great moral tale. I should be more like that. If you've heard the Good Samaritan and you walk away with that, you have not heard the Good Samaritan. You have not had ears to hear what it actually is that Jesus is giving to us in the Good Samaritan. Those are all great things, but that's not the point of this story, this parable. Let me read the beginning of this for us in Luke chapter 10, verse 25. Teacher, this is the lawyer. Teacher, he says to Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, well, what is written in the law? 
What do you read there? Read it for yourself. What's on the page? He answered, and this is a great answer. It's probably the best answer you could give. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him in response, correct, you have said the right answer. Do this and you will live. But it's not over yet. Wanting to justify himself, the lawyer wanting to save face in this public showdown, this confrontation with Jesus, the lawyer, like any good lawyer, has a follow-up question. I object. Wait a second. We're not done yet. He wants to expose the wrong teaching that he believes Jesus has. What, what do you mean? That's it. Do, do likewise. The lawyer wanted to trap Jesus and reveal that the teaching that he has is just not realistic. You can't do what Jesus is actually saying we should do. How unrealistic is that? How unbelievable to suggest, for instance, that the kindness uh, that Jesus is offering us could cross boundaries of race. Kindness doesn't cross boundaries of race or society, or like social studies, or, or social uh, constructs, or ethics, or social classes. Kindness doesn't cross those kinds of barriers. Let's be realistic. Not in this world. That's not how it works, Jesus. His question is really simply this. And who is my neighbor? That's what's wrapped up in that question. In other words, where do we draw the line between us and the goodness that we're supposed to share with others, the kindness we extend to others? And Jesus' answer reveals a pretty scandalous, far-reaching grace of God. His plan, God's plan, to bless not just our people, not just our friends, the people that we like and we think, hey, I should invite them to church because I enjoy their company, but even the people that we don't identify with, the people we may not like, people that aren't like us, those people, like the Samaritans even, are in the reach of God's goodness and his grace. And this is the story that Jesus tells. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He doesn't just say those people that you think are beyond the reach of God, they're actually not. Jesus doesn't stop there. He takes it a bit further. He takes the lawyer's question way deeper than the lawyer was even prepared to handle. And what he does in in doing so is lays out a really critical piece of what it means for us to be a disciple, to be a follower of Jesus. And this is picking up the theme of our series. What does it look like then? What is Jesus' invitation to us in this confrontation with the lawyer that is inviting us, be my disciple, follow me, and when you do, this is what it looks like. Can I read verse 36 for us? This is where we find it. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man after the story of the Good Samaritan was laid out? Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He said, this is the lawyer, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Now let's pause here. This is where most of us hear this and go, oh, so we're just supposed to go and do likewise. Cool, we can, we can do that. Nice Bible teaching, Sean. Happy Sunday, everybody. Let's go home and go on with our ways. We may be tempted to treat this parable like some kind of ethic, some moral. Be nice, people. Jesus is saying, oh, I get it, I get it. Be nice, yeah. Let's just be nice. Our 
Our world is full of these kinds of moral tales, these suggestions on how we should be nice, and yet our world is falling apart. Our world does not need more moral tales. It doesn't need more examples or stories of like how to be nice to people. Our world is deeply broken. It's not good enough for us to hear this wonderful tale, even to watch a movie about someone's inspirational life and go, oh man, I should be like that, and walk away. You know how many tales and movies and examples we have in the world, and yet, look at our world. Look at our world. These stories are not changing anything. These moral tales, though they're nice and wonderful and we should hear them, they don't actually get to the root of the problem. Our world is lost and it's drowning in moral tales just like this. The, kind, the, the, the Good Samaritan is not about practicing kindness as best as you can or people finding it somehow in themselves, some inspiration to cross those boundaries, those barriers, and extend grace to people that they have not extended grace to before. This is actually not the conversation Jesus is having with the lawyer. It's not be nice. It's not try harder at all. Remember, the lawyer approached Jesus, and this, I think, gives it away. The lawyer approached Jesus with what question? How do I be a better person? How do I live nice? No. How do I inherit eternal life? That is the conversation that we're having. And Jesus' answer is basically this. Let me summarize it for us. Live God's law perfectly. You'll have life. And in particular, show your neighbor. Everybody that you even cast off and dismiss and overlook is not your neighbor. Even show them mercy and kindness. Love them as you love yourself. And by the way, your neighbor is everyone. Do that perfectly. Go and do likewise, and you will inherit eternal life. Good? Not good. Who among us has done this? Who has lived God's law perfectly with all of our neighbors, even the neighbors that actually live next door to you? Do you know their names? Have you loved them as you've loved yourself? Are there certain neighborhoods in our town that we would rather not go into because, well, those people live there? We can't actually go and like love them and invite them over for dinner and get to know them. That's so difficult. It's so hard, and it is. But Jesus is saying to the lawyer, look, if you want to inherit eternal life, do it God's way. That's what the law gives to us, God's way. But the problem is this. We are all indicted by the law. We are all exposed as those guilty who have not actually lived this way, right? Me, for one, I'll tell you straight up, I have not loved my neighbor as myself, certainly. And our world is demonstrating evidence that it hasn't either. We are not the Good Samaritan. Though we would like to think, oh, go be like the Good Samaritan. That's not the point of the story. No, the point of the story is you are not the Good Samaritan. In fact, pick any other character in the story to identify with and you're closer to the truth. Maybe we're the ones whose fear and selfishness and superiority and pride, maybe racism or hate, has guided us to walk around and step over. Let's just not, let's just like turn a blind eye to that dead person laying in the side of the road. We could identify a little bit more with that person. Can't be late for church after all. Well, some of you don't have a problem with that, but <laughs> messing. We can't, we can't actually help these people that we don't know. Or perhaps we're that one who, in hardship, in severe crisis, in tragedy in their lives, 
Maybe there's brokenness. Maybe there's decisions of sin or patterns of sin in one's life that has left you utterly dead and lifeless on the side of the road. We, some of us would be more apt to identify with that character, the wounded, the one on the side of the road. But we are not the good Samaritan, that's for sure. Here's what you cannot miss this morning. If you're here and you're just waking up, I know we haven't had our coffee yet, some of us, that's fine. It's coming after the church service. But here, you cannot miss this. This story about the Good Samaritan is a story about Jesus. Surprise. That Sunday school answer works sometimes, doesn't it? The Good Samaritan is Jesus. The one who has shown us mercy is Jesus. The, ones who has, the one who has delivered us, you and I, who don't deserve this, who has been delivered from the hands of robbers, the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy us, who has left us on the side of the road, the one who has paid for our healing, who has ensured our recovery and walked us back to health, is Jesus. He is the good Samaritan, and there is no one else like him. It's no coincidence that Jesus tells this parable as he's on the way to Jerusalem where he will eventually take up the cross for his neighbor, for all people of the world. He will eventually do at the cross what the good Samaritan has done for us or what what Jesus is saying that the good Samaritan did for the nearly dead man. That's us. Jesus' cross is that extension of God's grace and his love and healing and recovery from the plague of sin and death. We have not, friends, we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves, But there is one who has, and it's Jesus. At his cross, we see a perfect, utterly beautiful, radiant demonstration and announcement and example of what it looks like to love God and love your neighbor. That's what we see at the cross of Christ. So, therefore, you guys with me on this? This is about Jesus. And because of this, when we come in the midst of this haze in a situation like this in our culture, we come Sunday because we know Jesus. We know the Good Samaritan. We know what it looks like to love God and your neighbor because we see it in him, not in us. And we need him. Therefore, if we're going to be Jesus' disciples, to be a disciple of Jesus, to follow him, to mimic him, his message to us is extremely urgent this morning. Take up the way of forgiveness. Like Jesus, take up the way of peace and mercy because Jesus has for us. In him, we realize that the forgiveness of sins, the peace that Christ extends to us, the mercy of God, the grace of God, the goodness of God has come to us not because we have somehow um, progressed as humanity. No, not at all. In fact, it doesn't look like that at all, right? But what we come to the cross and we say, God, you have extended these things to us and it has left us changed. So to be Jesus' disciple, we do what he does because he has done it in the power of his spirit by the mercy of God our Father. Amen? That's the invitation this morning to us. We, therefore, as the church, this is, by the way, who you are, church. This isn't something you have to try to become. It's what's been settled already You have been named the people of God, the children of God, the way of forgiveness and peace and mercy. It is what the church does when it's acting as itself. So to be a disciple of Jesus, to be named properly the church, we deal out forgiveness without discretion when people come in repentance to the one who forgives. 
Even sometimes we offer forgiveness at the cost of great suffering of ourselves. That is actually really normal when we follow Jesus, to approach suffering and to bear suffering with others, to extend love to people that don't deserve love, and to extend mercy and grace when a world just spews out violence and hate. We bear that suffering the way that the Lord did. Look at the cross. Look what happened there. The entirety of evil and sin and death in the world was hung on one man on a cross, and yet all he did was offer forgiveness. And in fact, life in his resurrection, and in fact, power by his kingdom that he is now establishing in the world. Church, let's embrace and follow and and respond to this invitation of Jesus to follow him, to do what he does. What does this look like? It means rejecting the status quo that the world offers us. This is the way the world works. We say not at all. God's kingdom is at hand. Repent. Believe in Jesus. This age-old pulse of sin that's been going on even in the recent headlines, revenge, violence, it is not the way of Jesus. It's not the way of his church. People, we have been called to life. We've been called to forgiveness and peace and mercy, not in our own ability, but because our Lord has demonstrated it and made a way for us to do it. We can. We are set free to do that. Instead of living these ways that the, the world seems to pull us into, and identify us with, we are called to live different lives. As Paul said in Colossians, lead lives worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him as you bear fruit in every good work. Friends, our world is literally dying for a community to bear a witness like this. It needs the church to be the church so that it knows that the world is the world. How will it tell the difference? Our world is dying for the Christian witness. It's dying to hear and see and participate in God's good news in Jesus. This morning, let's be who we are. Let's just be ourselves. As Christ's people, let's open ourselves to God's mercy once again. His peace once again offered to us. The forgiveness of sins that he extends to us when we come with hearts of repentance. That we may be healed And sent into the world as these messengers of God's way of doing things. Let's spend a moment in silence to allow the Holy Spirit to continue to lead us and guide us and speak to us in a moment such as this in our world. Amen. Amen. You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com.